Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. So I just want you to know how important each and every one of you are. Someone is going to come to know the anointing. Someone is going to receive a divine rescue through you. Through you. That's why we need obsession. Because people are waiting to meet God through you. Because it just don't fall on them like ripe cherries off a tree. They have to have an encounter. And we pray, God, give them an encounter. Guess where it starts? With you. He's in you. Amen? You could go ahead and be seated. He's in you. He's in you. And he's going to reach people through you. And you have to become obsessed with that. Father, I thank you for the anointing to stand and feed your people in the strength of you. Thank you that you made me an enabled minister of the New Testament of the Spirit to bring life through your word. And I thank you that your spirit guides us in all truth. Thank you that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you flows tonight to enlighten the eyes of our understanding so that we all may know the hope of your calling, that we will know the rich inheritance that belongs to us as saints, and that, Father, we would know the exceeding greatness of your resurrection power that's working in and for us as believers. And I thank you that you confirm the word with signs following in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, guess what the topic is? Obsession. Amen. So if we're going to talk about obsession, we need to know what it is, right? Amen. So let me go ahead and give you a definition of obsession. And I want to talk to you about some things that you should become obsessed with. Amen. You know, there's a negative side of obsession and there's a positive side of it. Amen. And so tonight I, I, I want to show you how to have biblical obsession and walk in it. You know, uh, Minister Candy, she, she said something so profound. She said meditation leads to obsession. So I want to give you some things to meditate on. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we learned this morning that God cares about our soul, doesn't he? It's our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we got to do something with it. Amen? So we can walk in victory. Amen? Listen, if you're going to be obsessed with anything, if you're going to be focused on anything, you can't overdose on the word. You can't. I'm telling try it. Just try it for me. Just plumb the depths of it and see if you can overdose on it. Your life will look different, I promise you. Amen? It, listen, if it's good, it'll get even better. Amen? I'm telling you, that word, that word you have in your possession is life. It will set you free. It will transform you. It will, it will cause you to know God if you'll just act on it. Yeah. 
if you'll just act on it. Amen? Amen. Obsession. I looked this up in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I'm going to give you a couple of definitions. I'm not going to be long with it, but I want you to think about this. When I looked this up in Webster's Dictionary, it said that obsession is the act of besieging, which means that when someone takes siege on something, they surround it with armed forces for the purpose of compelling someone to surrender. And they do it either by famine or by violent attacks. That was the definition of obsession. From Webster's 1828 dictionary. Now the updated dictionary, which is Merriam-Webster, says that it's a persistently abnormal, strong interest in or about something or someone. So you see both sides of that? That, see, the enemy, what he likes to do, and this is his trick. See, he's not, he's not powerful like people think he is. That's why he got to lie. That's why he got to lie. That's why he got a trick. That's why he got to pull tricks, because he has no power. Amen? You know, when we were coming up and we played football, if we were bigger than you, stronger than you, we just ran the ball down your throat. We didn't run no decoys. The linemen would line up and tell you, here's, here's what we coming. We coming right here. See if you can stop us. If it was basketball and we had the biggest center, hey man, post him up. Put him on the block. We coming to you. We, I'm talking about dribbling the ball coming down the court. It's all day. We're going to eat today. You follow what I'm saying? But if someone was more talented, stronger, faster football, we had to run that old 52 fake. Make you think we're going here so we can get enough space to go there. Or if we were playing basketball, we ran a lot of misdirection, a lot of pick and roll, a lot of passes. And we passed the ball several times to get the defense out of position because we could not physically overcome them. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to run 52 fake in your life. He wants to run misdirection. He wants to get you out of position and hope you'll bite because he has no power to overcome you because of who's on the inside of you. You just got to know how to deal with it. And you don't have to be scared of it. Because to tell you the truth, he's a punk. A straight up punk. Where I come from, if you was tough, we just got down with it. No time for talking. Let's just go. That's just the way we came up. Amen? You spending time talking, I'm getting with it. And see, all the devil do is just So you know what you do to him? You hit him dead in the mouth with the word. Knock his front teeth out. Amen? I'm going to show you how to do that. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. And while you're going there, I want to read something to you from Dr. Jacob's book, Deliverance 
fact versus fish, fiction. It says, obsession is the final stage before possession. Is when a person is fixed on a single idea to an unreasonable degree. They are almost haunted by the thought of that idea, item, or person. So the devil wants to strike the mind. But you got to pay attention. So let me show you this to show you in the scripture. You got to take care of what you think about. You have to take care of what you give your attention to. You have to be careful of what you watch and what you listen to. There's no way around. Words, words get lodged in your thinking. And if you let them stay there, they will create emotions and feelings. And you got to learn how to catch that down. You can't give wrong words an interest into your life. Because they begin to impact how you think. Amen. And, and, and the devil likes to play with words. Words set to music. Amen. I like, I like me some music. You have to watch that. Words, how about this? You, you guys, your generation is di different than ours ever was because... You know, I was born before there was rap music. I remember when there was no rap music. Amen. And uh, what, what's dangerous about rap music is that it's words set to rhythm. And while you're into the rhythm and while you're into the beat, your filter is down. Your guard is down. And it's slipping in a message into your soul. I, I, if you would just think about the popular people you listen to, and then and it's the devil's even bold now. They call it what's it? A trap music? Listen, listen, what they call it? Huh? Trap music. Y'all do know where they come from, don't you? The dope house is the trap house. A.K.A. the crack house. But everybody, just give me a trap beat. Just give me. And you're getting this repetitive thing in your conscience over and over again. The beat sound good. Yeah, but you're getting something in you. And the next thing you know, you're saying it. Amen. And it's, it's entrapping your thinking, it's putting limits on your thinking, and it's beginning to influence your actions. You can't feed on that. You can't. I just have to talk plain to you. Amen? Hallelujah. You have to be mindful of what you listen to, what you watch. Amen? Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has done what? Blinded what? The minds of them which what? Believe not. Notice he didn't say he blinded the eyes. He didn't say he blinded the eyes. 
Their eyes were fine. What did he do? He blinded the mind. You really don't see with your eyes. You see with your mind. You don't believe me? Where do you live? What's the color of your house? What's the color of your parents' car? You're looking at me, but just by me making those statements, you already see your house back home, the color of your parents' car. Even though you're looking at me, you can see it. Be careful what you feed your mind. Why? What is he saying? It changes your perception. We talked, Pastor Patrick talked about that, didn't he? The word will begin to affect your perception. You get God's perception. And when you do that, you take the limits off life. Amen? See, he blinded their minds of them which believe not. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And that word blinded means to blunt the mental discernment, to darken the mind. What it means to discern something is to be able to tell the difference between what's right and what's wrong. Your parents call it the ability to have good judgment. Amen? There's a reason we don't let 12-year-olds drive a car. They don't have good judgment. Really, a lot of 16, 17, 18-year-olds don't have good judgment. Amen? And so when you take the word of God out of your life, you don't have the ability to judge between right and wrong. And so the devil wants to blind your mind to darken your understanding so you can't choose because he can't make you choose anything. Amen? Can I help you with something? You always have a choice. You may be in a situation in a circumstance. You, you may be somewhere where someone you're in relationship with, an adult, may have made a decision and brought something into your life that you didn't want, but you still have a choice as to how you're going to respond to it. You still have a choice as to how you will let it affect you. You have a choice as to what you will say about it. You still have a choice. The word tells me I do. And so the situation may come to try to get you to lend your words to say, I'm defeated, but we just said, we heard the song. He never lost a battle. And we're in him, right? And second, go to 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let me show you this. You got to watch. See, the devil plants words, plants images because he wants you obsessed with his lie. He wants you focused on his lie. Amen. Why? So you'll choose wrong. And you always have a choice. You in second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 It's not in my nose. It just come up on the assignment. What does it say? Thanks be to who? Who are, who what? Huh? Always. Huh? Always. What does always mean? Always. All the time. All the time. You know, like somebody always has something to say. There's never a time they short on words. He always does what? 
Oh, I like one verse. And somebody said, what makes you win? Wow. King James says, causes you to what? Triumph. Triumph. Always. Let, Let that sink in for a minute. He always causes you to what? To triumph. You know, you you can win just barely by a point over time. You know what I mean? But then when you triumph, you beat the brakes off of them. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you put them in the ground. No mercy. Huh? You win convincingly. You win in such a manner that when he faces you again, he knows he's going to lose again. He don't even want you to show up. See, he always causes you to win, to triumph. You know what that means. It's not over until you win. What do you mean, Pastor? It's not over until you win. And right now it may look like you're not winning. Don't worry about it. You know why? It's not over. Like a good Rocky movie, it ain't over. Do you follow me? When is it over, Pastor? When you win. That's when it's over. Huh? The fat lady can be in the limo, tuning up. You know they say it ain't over to the fat lady sing? She can be tuning up. Still not over. When I win, then it's over. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, when he's talking about blinding the mind, he also talks about making things dull. He wants to deaden and dull your sensitivity to God's word and his spirit by attacking the mind. Amen? That reminds me as a little boy, my grandmother loved to sew, and she made me a lot of things. She made me a lot of quilts, pajamas, and everything. And I would get her scissors that she would use to cut material with. But I wouldn't cut material. I cut aluminum foil, construction paper. If anybody saw, you know you're cringing right now. But she would deal with me because those scissors, the other material that I would use those scissors on would dull the sharpness of those scissors. So she would get on me about that. She said, boy, those scissors are not for that. Amen? So I would dull them. When you take your mind and use it for something other than God's purpose, God's word, God's thought, you dull it. You make it dull. It was, your mind was never meant to worry. Your mind was never meant to fear. Your mind was never meant to, to, to entertain doubtful thoughts. Never was. So what you have to do, you have to become obsessed with the word. Amen? 
I want to read this, read this to you from the Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. It says, but even if our gospel is hid, the glad Titus also is, is be hidden, obscured, covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God. It is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has what? Blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern what? Truth. The truth. Preventing them from what? Seeing. You see that phrase? Blinded the mind and prevented them from properly seeing. And you've heard the statement, everybody, speak your truth. Everybody want their truth to somebody lies to them. Everybody wants their truth to someone deceives them. The only, the only truth is the word of God. And people love the truth. Amen. Even a thief loves the truth. You know how I know? Steal from him and see what happens. You got to watch these statements. The word of God will help you divide what's right and what's wrong. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm sorry, y'all. This one's not in my notes either. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4. I want to help you because you start letting the wrong things into your thought life and become obsessed with that, you're going to be influenced in the wrong direction. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go to verse 12. I'm a little ahead of myself, but you want to become obsessed with the word of God. I'm reminded of a statement that Dr. Jacob says. He said, I think about my faith every day. Every day. Every day you're thinking about something. Why not put your mind on the word? You mean, Pastor, I really have to think about what I think about? Yeah. You're going to think about something. Why not think about something that'll help you? You're not too young to think about the word. You know, David was a young man when he beat Goliath. <laughs> you're in Hebrews chapter 4 yes, verse 12 you're not, you're not too young to do great things for God you're not too young for God to do a miracle through you if you believe it you're not too young to have a Holy Ghost breakout session in your school from standing on the word and speaking the word instead of fights and brawls breaking out just the Holy Ghost break out. Amen. The football player that broke his ankle last week and now is off his crutches because he got healed before practice. That's not impossible. Take the limits off your thinking. Amen. That dude you know who's out there smoking all that dope throws it away. Because he got delivered. Because you prayed for him. You don't have to go through 15 years of being an addict and get saved at 55 
give up his best years. I want to give you something to think about. You know how a whole culture changes? You know why, do you know why we have people with wrong thoughts in leaderships in certain places? Because no one challenged them when they were a teenager. Their peers. Their peers. Their peers that knew better. And when they were talking in the locker room, wouldn't speak up. When they were hanging out at the pizza joint, wouldn't say anything. So nobody challenged them. Nobody gave them the word. No one prayed with them. So they go on and all in their life and said, I never had an encounter with God. So he must not be real. See, all of y'all are future leaders. Future business people, future teachers, future preachers. God strategically wants to place you in places to be a light. But you have to know enough of this word and be focused on it. That's all an obsession is. Amen? Amen. To tell people the truth. Amen? And that doesn't mean argue with people. That means love people. Tell them the truth. And give them the opportunity to believe. The Holy Ghost will work the conviction if you'll give them the truth. Amen? I had a guy at work one time. He asked me, he, we were talking about God, and he said, Alvin, I just can't believe that Bible. You know, he kind of just braced himself like he was ready to fight. He thought I was going to really try to convince him. I looked at him just like I'm looking at you. I said, I don't have anything else to persuade you with. He kind of looked at me. I said, what do you mean? I said, Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to everyone who believes. You just told me you don't believe. So it ain't going to work for you. That's the way it's designed to work. It works for the believer. It don't work for the unbeliever. You want to talk about something else? You want to talk about fishing? You like to fish. It messed him up. His unbelief is not going to change my faith in God working in my life. You have the free will to believe what you want to believe. It's not going to stop no power over here. So don't be mean to people like their unbelief is going to stop power from flowing in your life. Huh? They, have, they do have the right to believe whatever they want to believe. That's their choice. If God's not going to override it, their will, neither can you and I. But I can't tell you the truth. And I'm not going to shut up about it. You know why? It's too good. Amen? You in Hebrews 4.12? Let's read that. It says, for the word of God is what? It's quick. What else is it? It's powerful. What else is it? Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the what? The soul and what else? The spirit and the joints and the marrow. And is a what? 
of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is a discerner. That word divide or something means to divide, to be able to distinguish between the two. So the word will help you see what's right and wrong. But if you don't know what that word says, you won't be able to tell. Amen? Now go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, I'm good. I'm rolling good. Let's go to Ephesians. No, 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 no. I want to give you a Bible example of obsession. Go to Philippians chapter 3, and then I'll take you to Ephesians 4. I want to show you this. I, I want you to have some practical steps about what you can do concerning being obsessed, focused. It's something that Dr. Jacobs has been saying probably for the last, I know, three years. And you've heard him say it in camp more than once. He's never seen a generation so distracted. When the prophet of God keeps repeating a statement, emphasizing a statement, then our ears need to perk up and say, okay, we're distracted. I need to pay attention and make sure I don't let things in my life distract me away from what God told me to do. Right? Amen? And distractions are not necessarily um, bad things. They're just time snatchers. Amen? Can I share something with you? It takes time to become skillful with your faith with your confession, with the word. It takes time to learn how to be skillful following the Holy Ghost. It takes time. Guess what? We all, all we have is 24 hours in a day. You can't make more time. You have to take it. And the older you get, the more responsibilities you have that take up your time. So while you're young and you don't have a job to report to, you still eat mama groceries, what little of it you eat if you're not a picky eater. You know, you pretty much go to school. Some of you may play sports, but you need to start learning now how to take time for God. Because your future depends on it. Amen? Amen? Your future depends on it. Because guess who knows your future? The Father does. And guess what? He wants you to know it. It should not be a mystery. You know how I know it shouldn't be a mystery? Because Jesus told us in John 16, 13 through 15 that he would tell us of things to come. And then you get over there with Paul over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, we did not receive the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Listen to this part. That we might know. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So we're supposed to know. It's not a mystery to where we say, I wonder how I found out. 
It's a mystery if we don't know because we're supposed to. Amen? And then you go back up to the, the ninth and the tenth verse. It says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. See, I used to think I wouldn't find that out until I got to heaven. But see, I wouldn't read my Bible. And then one day I read verse 10. And it said, but God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. And his spirit searcheth all things, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So you got a personal Google. Y'all thought Google came up with the search engine. God had them beat all the time. He's the Holy Ghost. And he knows how to search out the plan of God and show it to you. But if you don't know him, you can't have faith in him. And if you don't know what the word says about him and the role he fulfills in your life, you won't yield to him. That's why I keep telling y'all, reading is fundamental. Amen? So let's look at this biblical obsession in Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 7. I'm going to read it to you from the King James Version. It says, but what things were gained to me? Those I counted lost for Christ. And yet doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. That means poo-poo. You know like your dog do number two in the yard? He says, this is the way I see them. This is the way I count them. Why? That I may win who? Christ. And we know that Christ is not Jesus' last name. It means the anointed one and his anointing. So he said, I change it how I look at things that I may experience this anointing. Amen? And we learn from Dr. Jacobs, you factor the anointing in everything. He's got a message on his podcast, Factor in the Anointing. You check it out. Because somebody's anointed to help you. And the anointing's working in you. And you need to factor that into your decisions. But if you don't know that you're anointed, that the anointing that you receive of him abides in you, and that anointing will teach you, and that anointing is the truth, and it'll teach you how to abide in you. That's what 1 John 2.27 says. It's in you. You have to know that. Yes. And you, you, you have to become focused on it, obsessed with it, constantly thinking about it. You know what? You, let's just let's talk plain. Mm -hmm. You have to be interested in it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, you have to want to know. Amen? You know, I, I, I like sports like anybody, and, you know, so I see clips of people doing sports. You know, when a kid want to learn how to run fast and jump high, they click follow. They every 
every speed guru, every leap guru. You buy all kind of contraptions. Mama, take me to this camp. Daddy, send me to that camp. Send me over here. Whatever your thing is. And you'll spend money and time. Huh? Oh, well, well, if your thing is academics, you go take the math camp and the computer camp. And you'll spend all this time. And you're intense. Why? You're interested in it. Why are you interested in it? You see a benefit somewhere or something you desire. Why do you desire? Because that's what's been presented to you, presented to you the most. So that's what you have an appetite for. And you think it'll fulfill you. But only God's plan, his love, his provision, that's what fulfills you. Amen? Amen? Now, don't misunderstand me. There's no premium on ignorance. You need to know some things. But you need to know the right things. And one thing you need to know is God's plan for your life. And what his word says about you. And your identity in him. You're special because he loves you. But the world will try to teach you that your value is in what you do. That's not it. Your value is in, is in who you are and how he loves you. Who you are in Christ. Amen? And you need to become obsessed with thinking about that. Meditating on that. Running that over in your mind. Amen? I've been called all kind of stuff. Where I tell you to go, Philippians 3. We read that, right? He said, I count them but dung. I'm going to go to that Ephesians next. But I, and listen to what he said. Go back to verse 9. Let's go back to verse 8. Yet doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And look at this part. And be found in him. He found himself in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So I found myself in him. Amen? See, when you find yourself in him and you know who he made you to be, it takes the limits off of life. It does. The world will put limits on you. You come from the wrong neighborhood. You're the wrong skin color. You didn't have the right family upbringing. You didn't have this. You didn't have that. You're not the smartest one. You are. You're different. You don't think like everybody else. And then here it is. God says, I always cause you to triumph. 1 Corinthians 1, 4, 8 says, I've received grace from him, and I am enriched in all things, in all utterance, in all knowledge. And the testimony of Christ has been confirmed in me. Philippians 1, 6 says, the good work he started in me, he will perform it till the day of Christ. See, these are things, that, and you know what? This, here's the thing you got to understand about it. You got to sit down, open up your Bible and read that. And not just glance over it. 
and not just read it once. You got to read it when you don't feel like it. And can I help you with this? Don't just read it silently. Read it out loud so you can hear yourself say it. And then you need to read it. You need to read it slowly and intently. And then you need to say, wait a minute. The good work you started in me. So I'm going to show you how to become obsessed with something. Just give you a little lab time right here. The good work he started in me, he will perform it. He will perform it until the day of Christ. Okay, Jesus ain't cracked the sky yet. He's working in me. He's performing the good work he started in me. It's a good work in me. The good work he started in me, he's performing it. He's doing it. He's developing it. It's a good work in me. It's a good work in me. It's a good work that God started in me. He's performing it. He's developing it. So there's good in me. There's a good work in me. I'm not a mistake. I'm not messed up. God started a good work in me, and he's performing it until the day of Christ, and I yield to the Holy Ghost as he works that out in me. Oh, then you get to thinking about him, and you start saying, Father, I thank you for the good work you started in me. I thank you that you're bringing that good work to full completion in me. That's what the Amplified Bible says. See, this is how you meditate. Instead of looking at Instagram and wishing your life was like somebody else, wishing you could jump like somebody else, run fast like somebody else, wear somebody else's clothes, the Yeezys and the J's and the Sleezes and all the other stuff, whatever they wear. Hey, I know. I remember when the first Jordans came out. See, one no Jordans. We had all stars. Converse. Chucks. Yeah, we didn't call them Chuck Taylors. They had the little limo on the back. They're called all stars. Brother Joe know what I'm talking about. And good old pro kids. See, y'all know nothing about them kids. See, they call them kids now. We call them pro kids. Amen. See, there's nothing new under the sun. See, that's why your parents can figure you out. You do know they were your age at one time. You do that, don't you? You know to get to 50, you got to pass 13, 14, 15, 16. So you got to pass all that to get to 50. <laughs> just try to help y'all out so you quit wasting your time trying to outsmart them. And just do what they tell you to do. Why? So it'll be well with you. And you live long on the earth. That's what Ephesians 6 says. But do you see that biblical obsession that I just read to you in Philippians 3? Go over to Ephesians 4. Let me show you this. And then I think we'll be at a good point. I want to encourage you in one more thing to help you. And then I want to minister to you. But these are practical things we have to do, you all. You see how quiet it is right now? Get used to that. Learn how to sit still. Learn how to be quiet. You know it's okay not to have nothing to say for a moment. That's how you get stuff, the right stuff to say. 
That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. You shut up long enough, you can learn twice as much, twice as fast. Especially, can I, can I give you one thing to be obsessed with? Be obsessed with learning from the previous generation. They know something you don't know. And, and you know what? You, you will be able to sidestep a lot of issues and a lot of pain if you would just sit in their presence and let them talk to you. Just don't be so quick to leave. Sit down a while and let them talk to you. Listen to the stories. Oh, Grandma, we don't care nothing about what's back in your day. Y'all didn't know. Y'all don't you, don't. you don't understand. Mom, Dad, you don't understand. No, 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 no. They do. Listen. Sit down and listen. Become obsessed with it. Hey, it'll help you think, right? See, here's this, here's this one big bad mistake that people get. They say, well, if you've never been through what I've been through, you can't help me. That's not the truth. They just need to know the answer from the word to help you. You want me to make it plain to you? If you're in a pool drowning and somebody's standing on the outside and got one of them long hooks and they reach it out to you, are you going to say, get that away from me. You ain't in this water with me. You can't help me. You're not going to say that, are you? You're going to latch hold of that thing and say, pull me out. Who better to help you than the one who's out? If I'm sinking in quicksand, I don't want you getting in with me. We both going down. So because, see, people, they like to attach this with identity and race. If you ain't never felt what I feel, you've been, you can't help me. See, you're you going to go without help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen? Because a lot of the times God sends the help to you, it don't come in the package you think it, it should. It's always in line with the word, but it may not come in the package you, you think that you identify with. You're identifying with truth. That's your help. And I don't care who they are, whether they male or female, black, white, green, purple, chartreuse, periwinkle. If they're giving me the word and I can understand it, I'm taking it and running with it. Because the Holy Ghost, he'll bear witness with the truth. That's what you need. That's what Jesus told us. If we'll continue in his word, John 8, 31, 32. See, that's an obsession. Continue. If we'll continue in his word, then we will know the truth. And the truth that we know from continuing in the word, doing the word, remaining in the word, not changing from the word, not deviating from the word, that's what makes us free. Yes. He said, you know the truth and the truth should make you free. There's a lot of people that know the truth about things and still in bondage. You know why? Because they won't continue in it. The proof is not in the pudding. The proof is in the eating of the pudding. 
That's the only way you know it's good. You got to eat it. And the only way you're going to know God is good is that you have to do the word. That's what it might be. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You're going to taste his goodness when you do it. Amen? I remember when my son was young and I would sit something on his plate and he started crying. I don't want that. I don't want that. Why you don't want it? I don't like it. Boy, have you ever tasted it? No. Well, how you going to know if you don't like it or not? Amen? My parents would like Pastor Cynthia. You just get a whooper for that. But, you know, I was a little different. I said, well, just taste it first. And see, we do that with God. God, I don't know if your word works. Well, have you, the Holy Ghost said, have you done it? Have you just done it? Have you meditated on it like I told you to meditate on it? Have you confessed it like I told you to confess it and not turn it loose? Before you tell me it don't work. Amen. I'm just trying to help you. You in Ephesians 4, verse 17. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. And I'm going to give you one more scripture. Oh, yeah. I'm right on it. Here we go. You ready? Y'all all right? You got some stuff to do? I'm going to give you some stuff to do. You ready? Here's we're going to do it right here. You ready? Ephesians 4, 17 says, so this I say and solemnly testify. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, okay? He says, in the name of the Lord, as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen or the Gentiles do. Listen to this. In the perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls and the futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is beclouded and they are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge, or we could say the lack of knowledge. And what else? Perception and the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them. That word futility means no use. It's empty. I like to say it like this. Empty head, empty life. Become obsessed with filling your mind with the word of God. Why? Because it determines how you live. How you walk. You got to fill this thing with the word. See, your spirit man's already new. Has the nature of God on the inside of it. Amen? Whoever controls the soul controls the body. Your spirit just alone for the ride. That's why when you take your body places it should not go, your spirit man says, fix that. I didn't want to go. Why'd you take me over there? You know why you took yourself over there? Because you don't think right. The mind's not renewed. So he says you got to feel it because if you don't feel it, notice the devil's not anywhere in this verse. He says, the moral understanding gets darkened. And then you alienate yourself from the life of God. You take yourself out of play. But let me keep reading. Look at this in verse 19. He says, in their spiritual apathy, they have become callous. And look at this part. 
past feeling and reckless and have abandoned themselves all because they didn't do something with their mind. They didn't fill it with the word. They didn't listen to the podcast. The direction of your thought life is going to be the direction you walk in. An unrenewed mind will fight God's plan every step of the way. So you have to renew your mind to the word. What do you mean? Let the word influence how you think. Let the, let the word govern how you think. Amen? Well, what does that mean, Pastor? When somebody at, at the school, whatever's popular, and you say, oh, man, that's cool. And then when something that's not popular because everybody say it's not popular, what do you say? It's, I don't know what they say now, but you say it ain't good. Right? We used to say it's whack. I don't think they say that anymore. I'm telling my age. They do? They do still say whack? Oh, okay. Well, moving right along. But what are you doing? You're allowing the crowd to influence and say what's good and what's not. When your mind is renewed, you don't care what other people think. This is what God said. Oh, I get those conversations in the barbershop all the time, especially when they find out you're a preacher. Preacher, what you think about this? Well, let me tell you what the words say. And look, and say, man, I just can't get with that. I said, well, that's on you. Still not going to change what I think. Amen? Just because you disagree, you're disagreeing with God. You're not disagreeing with me. Don't take this personal, y'all. Don't argue with people. Don't listen. When you start getting in strife with people, you get into every evil work and confusion. That's what James 3 tells us. Amen? Amen. Go over to Joshua 1. And I'm gonna have no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I gotta do this one. Go to Romans 12, and that's that's it. I gotta stop. So you need to become obsessed with the word. You need to become obsessed with learning from the previous generation. You got a wealth of faith around you. Pay attention to the stories. Sit a while. You know, when my grandmother was living, before I leave town, I called and said, Grant, I'm coming by. She fixed me something to eat. And I sit at the table. And she said, baby, don't get in a rush. And I would listen to those stories. My grandmother was my Sunday school teacher. I called my mama two, three times a week. I called Dr. Jacobs on the phone on a regular basis. And I, I listened. You listen to your pastor. When they're talking. Listen, impartations can come through the preached word, through the laying on of hands, through private conversations, through associations. So when they're talking in conversation, don't check out. You know how many times I got help from Dr. Jacobs just talking? Questions I've had and he would just start talking. The nuggets are really are in the stories. Can I tell you the number of times I've learned something when 
Dr. Jacobs' sons have been around and they were asked questions? And see, sometimes people will try to ask the most impressive questions, you know, trying to get one in, when they can just sit there and listen. You know, one of my favorite times is when, like, Pastor Sonny's sitting there and Dr. Hatterbaugh and Dr. Rogan start asking the questions. I just be sitting back in the cut, soaking it all up. Because they ask questions I never thought about. So I put that in my tube. Okay, when I get to that one, I got this one right here. And then somebody say something else. Yeah, I hadn't got there yet. They further along than me. You need to quit competing with people. Because that ain't how the kingdom of God works. Somebody further along, listen. Listen. Become obsessed with learning from people God put in your path. So you don't have to go through the stuff they went through. Amen? And so they would, they would ask him questions, and I would get nugget after. I love it. I just want to sit and listen. I don't have to say anything. Just let me sit and listen. Amen? Amen. And see, so you grasp those things, and then you can take them back, and you can start talking to God about them, asking him questions. Lord, show me that. And you know, when they get to talking, it's going to be about 20, 40, 50 scriptures that keep rolling around. I, I can show you on my phone. I got quotes from all of them. Where they have conversations. One quote made me think about Pastor Mark Owens. He said, the more we were up in, up in Indiana at a meeting, and we were sitting around Cracker Barrel, and he said, the more I pay attention to love, the more miracles I have. To pull my phone out. See, be a sponge. And soak up the right things, not the wrong stuff. Do you follow me? See, this is how you got to pay attention, y'all. So when your pastor's talking and he's asking you how you're doing, don't listen. Talk. Talk. And get this out of your head. Oh, they're going to find out something. They love you. They're not trying to sniff you out. They're trying to help you. Does that make sense? Okay, you're Romans 12. Did I tell you Romans 12? Go to verse 1. I got, I got to read this to you, and then I got to minister to you real quick. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And what does he say? Be not conformed to this world. But how what? Be ye what? Transform how? By the renewing of your mind. And what's going to happen? You're going to prove what? The good. What else? The acceptable and what else? Perfect will of God. I'm not going to get in the perfect will of God apart from a renewed mind. It's the only way I can prove it. Why? Because when my mind is renewed, I can start picking up what's coming from my spirit. God don't speak to my mind. He speaks to my spirit. But guess what? The Holy Ghost has to bring things up to your mind. Jesus said he would call to your remembrance, whatever he said, what is remembered? That has to do with your mind. <laughs> Amen? And then he says in verse 3, he says what? For I say to you through the grace given unto me that every man is among you not to think more, think, not to think 
of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think how? Soberly, according as what? God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I have to think in line with the word. So whatever the word tells me, whatever the word says about me, that's the way I should think. See, thinking soberly and not thinking more highly of yourself is not putting yourself down. It's submitting yourself to God's word and taking on his thoughts. So if God says you're righteous and you say, oh, no, my righteousness is as filthy as rags. So you're thinking more highly than yourself. And some people think that's thinking humble. No, it's not. Because God said, I made you righteous in Christ. And you're saying, no, my righteousness is in filthy rags. He gave you his righteousness. At that point, when you say that, you have taken your thoughts and put it above God's word. Therefore, you're not thinking soberly and you're thinking more highly of yourself, even though it's low level thinking. Does that make sense? Now, let me tell you, can I give you a little science lesson real quick? He says we're transformed by what? Renewing of our mind, right? You look that word transform up in the Greek. It says metamorpho, which is our English word metamorphosis. Okay, anybody know any insect that goes through metamorphosis? Caterpillar turns into a what? Butterfly. Very good. Y'all paid attention in science class. Now, how does the caterpillar change into a butterfly? He goes, what? He spins into a cocoon. Do you know where that cocoon comes from? The cocoon comes from a silk-like substance that comes out of the caterpillar's mouth called chrysalis. So he spins that chrysalis out. Now, you know how he's able to form the chrysalis? From what he feeds on. So the diet of the caterpillar gets ingested. And who he already is is not out here. It's in here. And so the transformation can't take place until the caterpillar releases out of his mouth what's in him. And so when he starts releasing that, then he spins a cocoon. Now the cocoon becomes the environment within an environment. And if the caterpillar breaks out of that cocoon prematurely, guess what he does? Aborts the process and dies. But if he stays in there long enough, he breaks out and becomes a butterfly. Totally changed. Well, what that got to do with me, Pastor Evan? I'm going to help you. The word of God is your diet. And so you intake it. You feed on it. And then you begin to speak it and build you a cocoon. You can build a cocoon anywhere. You can build a cocoon of the word in a dysfunctional home. You can build a cocoon of a word in a dysfunctional classroom. And what do you do? See, you start speaking that word, that good work he started in me. He always causes me to triumph. It's God who's working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
And you start, see, see, you start building that victory cocoon. You start building that faith cocoon. And it encloses you so to all you can see is what God promised. And if you let it stay there long enough and you meditate on it and you speak it and you hold it in your mind and you turn it over in your mind like you dream about dunking a basketball, it'll transform you. That's what God told Joshua. If you meditate in my word day and night. See, that'll get rid of the bad thoughts. That'll get rid of the tragedies. If you'll learn how to take the word and build your cocoon, renew your mind, that's what's going to transform you. Does that make sense? So you got something to do now, don't you? Would you stand to your feet for a minute? Someone asked me one time, said, what is the greatest thing you learned from God? How he's helped you? I said, he transformed my thinking, my mind. Filled me with his spirit. But the great, one of the greatest things that I'll never forget is how God set my mind free. Because there was a time in my life that I made some decisions, and especially in my college years, that brought some consequences into my life that I did not like. And it really, my life became very dark. And there were seasons in my life where life was dark, especially when my dad was an addict. That the darkness... I didn't realize it was demonic then, but I could feel it. it was, everything was just dark, depressing, and I could not see beyond where I was. You know, people would tell me, Alvin, it's going to be all right. I'm like, man, I don't need you to tell me it's going to be all right. I need to know how it's going to be all right. So no one could tell me how it was going to be all right. And when I started seeing God's promises in his word, I got in a local church where he just taught me the word. He just taught me the word. I didn't need to be entertained. That's why I talk to you plain. I need to know how. You know, I could go watch a movie anywhere. I need to know how to make this thing work like it's supposed to work. And when I started seeing that in the word, man, I can see my future. I can see how victorious I am in him. You know, one of the main scriptures that got me was Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. See, because people lied to me, disappointed me. And I began to see in his word, he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said, and will he not do it? And hath he not spoken, and will he not bring it to pass? And so you know what my prayer was? I just started praying the word. God, you said you're not a man that you should lie. And I began to ask him to show me how to live, reveal himself to me, just from reading the Bible. Someone teaching me the word. And, you know, as I gave my attention to the word, I would come home from work because I was depressed. I didn't even know I was depressed. I used to drink myself to sleep every night. Nobody knew. Everybody thought I was all right because, you know, I could fake the phone. I could be bubbly. You know, I could sell it. But when I would go home, it was bad music and cheap beer. 
And I, I was just tired. And thoughts would haunt me. They would just play like a replay. If I just hadn't done this, if I just hadn't done it, and the scenario would just play over and over and over and over and over and over, and it was just dark, and there was nothing I could do to deaden it. I don't care how much I drank, I don't care how much I smoked, I don't care how much sex I had, it pardon I did, it would, it, I was just fun for a season, and then when it got quiet, and I was alone. That's real, man. And that thing was weighing on me. But when I started, I got in a good local church. Someone from work invited me to church. And I started embracing the word. And man, I started getting, that light started to shine. Started to shine. And I could see beyond where I was. Amen. Your light is here. It's now. So if, if you have experienced that, if you're dealing with a dark place now, something that's, that's weighing on you that's dark, your mind is an attack on your mind. You can be free tonight. And if that's what you want, you want freedom tonight, come up here and you'll be set free. I'll minister to you. The power and the blood of Jesus will set you free. Amen. Well, they already gave an altar call for that today. So, there may be some other things that you didn't think about that I described. So, if that's you and you want freedom tonight, respond. Amen. You don't have to stay bound. Amen. Hallelujah. God loves you. He doesn't want anything having your mind but Him. Amen? Now, getting free, that's the easy part. The things I taught you, the things that you've been taught in the previous message, you're going to have to put that word to work to stay free. Amen? And listen, thoughts will come, but you don't have to let them entertain and take up real estate in your head. You know what you do? You say, no, in the name of Jesus, I cast that down. Amen? You know, in the pandemic, I had fear try to get on me. So I give you a practical example. And uh, it, it was getting to the point, I'll just be honest with you, I didn't want to leave the house. Because I just got tired of hearing about it. So I said, where's the first meeting I can get in with Dr. Jacobs? Was that Pastor Sunday's church? So I got, now, what I started doing, anybody here work out the weights? I started doing me some reps with the scriptures. You know, you get your reps in. So I would take uh, Philippians 4, 6 from the Amplified Bible. Sometimes I would say it two, three hundred times a night. And I would sit there, God did not give me a spirit of fear, of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. But he's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound and disciplined mind. I have a disciplined mind. There is no fear in me. I started meditating on that, meditating on that, saying that, saying that. Then the Holy Ghost brought in another. 
Say Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has been shared abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Who's been given to me. And then when I said that he gave me another scripture. 1 John 4 was that 18th verse says perfect love cast out fear. So since the love of God is in me, fear and love can't exist in the same place. So there's no fear in me. I ain't paying no attention to, my, to the thoughts coming. I said there's no fear in me because the love is in me. I have, a love, I have a calm and well-balanced mind. I don't have a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning and fear. There is no fear in me because the love is in me. And I will pace the floor. Sometimes I pace the floor. Sometimes I sit there. When I draw the pastor Sunday's meeting, I cut the radio off and sit it all the way there. And then when I would lay down at night, and you know, my wife laying next to me, I run it over in my mind. You mean you did that? Yeah. I got a notebook. I can show you the tick marks. I just did it for me because I was just, every time I said, I do a tick mark. And you know what? I can't tell you when. I just know when the peace just flooded my mind. I just wouldn't quit. See, this is what you have to work in your routine. This is what you have to do. When I lay my hands on you and tell that thing to leave you in the name of Jesus, it's gone. It'll try to come back. You know what you do? You give it the word. That's your sword. That's your weapon. So you got to take these scriptures and you have to. One minute to Candace tell us. We got to convince it. That's your weapon. Okay? Amen. So you're going to do that? Because you're going to get set free when I lay my hands on you. Jesus is going to set you free. Okay? But you got to go home and do this. You got to start doing this while you're here. Amen? Hallelujah. So just lift your hands to heaven. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 